Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. And you should be at Matthew chapter 16 by now, verse 17. Matthew 16, verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to give you these passages and then we're going to go back and look at some parallels, look at some connections. I love how the the institution and the, uh, I guess the first introduction of the church that Jesus gives, he combines it with authority and conquering. With authority and conquering. The church was not designed to be weak. The church was not meant to lose. Come on, the church was not meant to be behind. The church was not meant to be underneath. The church was not meant to be subject to anything in this earth and anything. See, we got to understand some things. The devil is not the opposite of God. The devil is the opposite of Michael, the archangel. The devil's a created being. God is not. The devil is not all-knowing. God is. The devil cannot be everywhere at the same time. God can the devil's not all-powerful. God is. See, we, we got to get some of these correlations together. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves fighting the wrong battles and wearing ourselves out doing it. Hell is not the opposite of heaven. Heaven is not a reward for those that do good, and hell is a reward for those that do bad. Hell was created for Satan. It is a prison camp is what it is for the devil. It was never intended for you and I. Flesh. Us, uh, uh, human beings, were never uh, meant to ever have to inhabit that place of torment. They will if they do not make the choice to follow Jesus, if they do not make him Lord of their life. But there was, that was not what it was designed for. It was a place to keep Satan and his cohorts for eternity. And one day they will be. Well, we've got to get some of these correlations together. Otherwise, the church is not going to be what it was called to be. The church isn't going to do what it was called to do. And the church isn't going to impact what it was called to impact if we keep thinking that we're waging a war against the devil and we keep thinking that we're trying to keep people out of hell and we keep thinking that our efforts are only to overcome sin. Let me tell you something. God wants to introduce you to a life where overcoming sin is a byproduct. I'm going to say that again. God wants to introduce you to a life where overcoming sin is a byproduct rather than the goal. Your life can be way more than just trying to challenge and, and push on through and trying to overcome daily sins and daily temptations. And I'm trying to beat this thing down. I'm trying not to give into that. I'm not trying to do this. And I don't want to do what the devil wants. And I want to do what God wants. Your life was supposed to be so much greater than that. That overcoming sin and conquering the devil was a byproduct of ruling and reigning on the earth. It's a different level of thinking. It's a different level of, of thoughts, a different level of impact, it's a different level of influence that you and I were created to bring to this planet. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable Service. See, he, he says that living holy and pleasing to God is a reasonable request. The reason why is because of what is found in chapters 1 through 11. Paul outlines in chapters 1 through 11 
all that Christ has made available for you and I. He's conquered sin. Uh, now, you know, Romans chapter 8 tells us that we can walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. There is therefore now no condemnation. I mean, all these things are found. The, the life of faith through, he talks about grace. He talks about being raised with Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 17, one of our favorite verses, to reign in life as kings in this earth, in this day, in this time. All those things. And then he starts off uh, verse 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore. Therefore. That's reference to chapters 1 through 11. He's saying, because of everything I just announced and pronounced to you in chapters 1 through 11, now offer your lives as a wholly acceptable sacrifice, which is your reasonable. He says, this is reasonable. This is a reasonable request to make. And he says in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Everyone say world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world. Colossians chapter 3. Turn over there. Colossians chapter 3, and we'll start there in verse 1 as well. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Everyone say above. Not on things on the earth. Everyone say earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Last passage I want to show you real quick is Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. These four passages are... Uh, what I would call foundational to the mission of the church and foundational to our efforts and our mission here at Anchor Faith Church. You've probably heard me uh, minister and preach from these verses multiple times, especially over the last couple of years. And uh, today I'm connecting them all together, bringing them all together. Mark chapter 16 says, and he said to them, go into all the world. Everyone say world. And preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it by no means will hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Verse 19 says, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the father. Jesus went up and sat down. I said he went up. And he sat down. You know what that means? He ain't doing anything else. He's done. Quit asking Jesus to heal your body. Quit asking Jesus to help you make the car payment. Quit asking Jesus to help you with the unforgiveness in your heart. He ain't going to. He ain't doing it. He said, I'm sitting down. Can't you see I'm sitting down? Can't you see I'm comfortable? Bible in another passage says that he's made the earth his footstool. He's even got his feet propped up. I mean, he looks like dad on a Sunday afternoon watching golf, not watching golf, right? You're late. He's laid back. And now he's got a work that he's expecting us to do. He went up and sat down, but look at the next verse. And they went out. Who's they? The disciples, the apostles, and preached everywhere. Watch this. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. 
the Lord working with them and working with them, working with them and confirming the word with these accompanying signs. In all four of these passages, we see a correlation between heaven and earth. In each one. In Matthew 16, he says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. In Romans chapter 12, he says, don't be conformed to the earth, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind to what? Heaven. I've got to get my mind in alignment with heaven in heaven if I intend to impact the earth. He says, don't conform to what's around you. Don't, don't fit in uh, so easily that you can't tell a distinguishing factor between you and the world. And what we have to understand, too, when we're talking about earth and world is we're not just talking about the planet. We're also talking about the times. We're also talking about cultures. We're talking about societies. We're talking about seasons of life. So it's not just talking about a physical realm called the planet Earth that has trees and oceans and deserts and mountains and rivers and valleys and people and creatures and whatever else. He's also talking about the, the, the way the world thinks, the systems, the systems that govern this earth. Don't be conformed to the systems that govern this earth, the way that they do things, the way that they operate, the way that they behave, the way that they think, the way that they respond to situations. Don't be conformed to that but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Colossians chapter three, he says, set your mind on things above, not on things below or not on things on the earth. So now there's an intentional setting of the mind with heaven rather than just falling in line with what the earth is doing. And then Mark chapter 16, he says to what? Go into all the world. Go into all the world. But then he says, make disciples of heaven. Go into the world, but make disciples of heaven. Training them in the way that heaven does things. And I think we'll spend, uh, you know, some time here. Um, but I just feel a need to give us, you know, I, I have felt maybe a mandate, an assignment, a call however you want to put it, to bring emphasis to the realities of heaven, to the realities of heavenly thinking, to the realities of heavenly living, to bring the same effort and emphasis of heaven that Jesus brought. And that if the church is truly going to do what it was assigned and called to do from the beginning of time, but even more so now in this time, we're going to have to have a greater awareness of heaven than we do of the earth. You're going to have to live with a greater awareness of spiritual realities than you do of natural realities. That what you cannot see is actually more real and more impactful than what you can see. I think people are getting tired of living by what they see. I think they're getting tired of what they see. <laughs> it's the same old story. It just has a different likeness to it. But it's the same old destruction. It's the same old depravity. It's the same old uh, debauchery. It's the same old, you know, whatever word you want to put on it. it, it it's, it's wickedness. And we know that wickedness will grow. We know wickedness will increase. We know that we will see these things. Jesus said trials and tribulations will come. You're not going to put a stop to the sense that wickedness is ever present. But we are going to start shifting some things in the spheres of influences that you and I live in and engage in. We are going to start uh, uh, moving things and aligning things with the realm of heaven. So we have to gain a different perspective. Going back to Matthew chapter 16, I want to read it to you in the Passion Translation. 
I'm just going to kind of lay some groundwork today, lay some foundation, and we'll just see where this goes. In verse 18, the Passion Translation in verse 18, I give you the name Peter, a stone. And this rock will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church. Notice first off, he says, my church. At some point, I'm going to have to teach on the church. I'm going to have to teach on what church is because the church is not a man-made concept or idea. The church was God's idea. The church was God's plan, and he delegated the assignment and the task of building the church directly to Jesus. And Jesus has not delegated that assignment to anybody else. I'm here as a pastor. I'm here as, a, as an under-shepherd. I'm here, uh, you know, to help build the church, to help equip the saints for the work of ministry, all right, in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm not going to get all the way into it, but just kind of aligning some things, showing you some things. But it's Jesus that is the one building the church. I'm just equipping. I'm equipping. You know, I, I, I can maybe put it to you like this. You know, if you, if you have a, 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 a building that's going up, construction site, you have a construction site, well, there's going to be a builder. And the builder is the one that determines where things go. The builder is the one that determines where something will be the most effective. The builder is the one that determines, uh, you know, building according to code and, uh, and according to structural, uh, you know, restraints and those kind of things. The builder is going to be the one to put all those things into place. But he has to have someone to supply the resources necessary to build the thing. The builder knows where the, where the steel structure, I mean, you, you see, you, you got a lot of exposed, uh, you know, uh, work even in this room. The builder knows where each one of these steel structures needs to go, but somebody had to supply or equip those things, get them in place, move them where the builder says, see, I don't, I don't, I don't make the decisions that you think I make. Bible tells us that we're all in the body finding our fit as it pleases him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Many members, one body, and each member is, is identified of where your usage is and where your gift is and where your talent is and where your ability is and where your strength is. And then you are, you are fitted in place. And then I come along and I help equip you and I help align and say, okay, this is how you can be, your, be the most useful, but this is where the builder needs you. Jesus is the builder of the church. He says, I will build my church. It says this in the, in the Passion Translation, my legislative assembly. My legislative assembly. Now that's key. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But we have to understand this about the church. We love these phrases, you know, the church isn't a building. The church isn't an organization. The church isn't a time or an event. The church isn't just something you put on a schedule, right? The church is a, you can finish it, the church is a people. You and I, we are, we, we make up the church, right? I like to put it this way. The church came to 416 Dale Drive today. 416 Dale Drive is not a church because we put a sign or we put out flags or, or we, you know, told the city that we're putting a church here. The church is, this building is a church or this place is a church because the church gathered here. But sometimes we don't take it a step further and understand that to Jesus, the church was literally the vehicle by which heaven is to enter the earth. The church is literally the vehicle by which heaven is to invade the earth. And I'll put it this bluntly, God is not doing anything in the earth today without his church. The words legislative assembly, you know, when Jesus said this, he didn't say, I'll build my church. He, he said it in his language. He said, I'll build my ecclesia. Ecclesia is, a, is an assembly or a body of people that are called out from the environment that they are in 
to help legislate and to help enact a will and a purpose and an authority. So yeah, you and I, we, we make up the church, but you and I are only going to be successful. Look, I don't want to be successful in man's eyes at the expense of being successful in God's eyes. And I don't think you do either. I don't think you want the sum of your life, the, the, the total of your life and your accomplishments to all be praised by man and then one day stand before Jesus and said, I never called you to any of that. I don't think, I don't really believe you want to live that way. Maybe you do. Maybe you could care less what Jesus thinks. You only care about what man thinks. But I think most people are walking this planet in, 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 in an effort to please the one that placed them here, to please the one that called them. Most believers. So it's possible to build a successful church in man's eyes. What we think is successful. I think that there's some things that we have tolerated and allowed and even made uh, a drive and an effort in, in church structure in church society that I think is backfiring on the church and we're finding out that that was never the right way to do it in the beginning. That was never the, the healthy way. That was never the way that we could uh, accomplish the assignment that God gave to the church. And we, we made a greater emphasis of filling buildings with people rather than emphasizing filling people with his spirit. Out of those two, which do you think God is more interested in? Buildings with people or people with his spirit? I think he wants people filled with his spirit. And so we actually ran after filling people, filling, filling buildings with people so much so that we compromised filling them with his spirit. Because we recognize if I make an effort of filling people with the spirit, then I might not fill the building. Yeah, we saw that. And so we actually did things with a greater effort to put them in the seat than to put the spirit in them. And we call it church, but that's not church. I don't get to redefine what God's already defined. I don't get to do that. I may, the, I may be the pastor of Anchor Faith Church, but I don't get to come in here and say, let me tell you, Jesus, how I'm going to do things around here. <laughs> That's not going to work that way. I got to hear from heaven. I got to say, what's your heart for the church? What's your purpose for the church? What's your mission for the church? What's your assignment for the church? What's your will for the church? What's your plan for the church? And then I got to follow him. I'm subject to him. This is his church. So he gets to do it his way. Okay, so he says uh, that the church is the legislative assembly, that you and I are literally the vehicle by which heaven invades the earth. I heard one minister put it this way, nothing should happen in the earth without the church's permission. That, that's a pretty strong assignment. Nothing should happen in the earth without the church's permission. That the binding and the loosing, that's on us. That's not on Jesus. That's not on heaven. Quit asking Jesus to bind stuff. He won't do it. He's asked you to do it. He's commanded you to do it. Because he says in verse 19, and I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven. And to release on earth that which is released in heaven. So we recognize that the church is literally the vehicle by which heaven is invading the earth. And that God's ultimate goal was that this earth be a mirror image of heaven. That God's goal was that this realm represent and reflect heaven. So if we aren't representing or reflecting heaven, the world never will. So it's got to start with you and I. We're the legislative assembly. 
We've got to understand our purpose. We are literally uh, restoring God's kingdom on earth. That is what we're doing. When I say kingdom, when I say kingdom, that means his rule, his will, and his way of doing things. When I say the kingdom of God, I'm, I'm referring to his rule, what he would authorize, what he wouldn't authorize. I'm referring to his will, his intents, and his purpose, and his way of doing things, his behavior and his responses, his functions. So, the, and, and, and so we are restoring God's kingdom on earth. Jesus' life was a model of restoring a kingdom on earth. Jesus did not tolerate what heaven would not tolerate. Jesus did not allow what heaven would not allow. Jesus did not um, um, uh, resist or restrain what heaven would allow or what heaven would loose. So Jesus is going around binding on earth what's bound in heaven. And Jesus is going around loosing on earth what is loosed in heaven. That's what Jesus was doing. That's why Jesus didn't have to pray for the sick. He just healed them. Jesus didn't pray for the sick. He laid hands on the sick and they recovered. He spoke a word, right? There were no healing lines in Jesus' ministry. There wasn't. It was instantaneous. Because he already clued in on the part that you and I are still working on. He already knew the will of the Father. So how am I going to bring the will of heaven here if I don't even know the will of heaven? I got to start there. What is your will? If we still keep preaching around here that, that you know, maybe God's trying to teach us something, well, then we're not aligned with heaven, so I can't bring heaven. That's not going to work. I got to align with heaven. I got to align with what does the word say about sickness and disease? And he's given me his will. He's made it clear. I don't have to pray, well, Lord, if it's your will, or let your will be done, implying that I don't know what his will is, that he's refrained and he's kept it from me for some weird reason, and yet he's assigned to me to bring his will, but I don't know his will. He's withholding his will. It's not going to work. If we're going to bring heaven to earth, then we're going to have to get more aligned with heaven than we are with the earth. Some of us know the will of the devil better than we know the will of the Father. <laughs> You, you know, you know what the devil's up to better than you know what God's up to. That's got to change. That won't work. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. We know what's broken better than we know how to fix it. Come on. Yep. He says, I will give to you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm. That means... It is your job to unlock it and release it. That's on you. I'm giving you those keys. Those keys are going to allow you to access what is in a heavenly realm, what's in, what, where I am, the way that I want to do things, the way that things ought, ought to be. I'm giving you access. That's what keys denote. Keys identify access. If I give you keys to something, I'm giving you access to it. If I give you keys to my truck and then you're in my truck, I can't come to you and say, what are you doing in my truck? Uh, you, you gave me the keys, Pastor Mark. That's, I mean, if you have the keys, you have the access. You have the responsibility of accessing and grabbing and bringing whatever is locked up in that place and then releasing it. I've given to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Why? So you can align the earth with heaven so that the earth can look like heaven. And by the way, at the very end of this thing, when it's all said and done, the earth will look like heaven again. It's going to happen whether you get in or not. He's just giving you an opportunity to participate. He's going to accomplish it one way or the other. But I don't know about you. I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines watching. I want to get on the playing field and be a part of what God is doing. I want to participate and I want to demonstrate. He said, I've given to you the keys. I'm not going to be found sitting on the sidelines with keys in my pocket. It's not going to happen. 
crying and whining, complaining and grumbling. Not when I've got keys in my pocket. You can do that if you don't have keys. But when you've got keys in your pocket, look at your neighbor say, the keys are in your pocket. I lost my keys. No, they're right, where they, they're right where God put them. He put them in your pocket. He put them in your hand. They, are, they belong to you, the church. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Romans chapter 12. Okay, so we got down to the church is the legislative assembly. The church is literally the vehicle by which the kingdom of God is being restored to the earth. He's given you those keys so you can bring heaven back to this realm. Everywhere you go, every, everything you do. See, now you got to wake up different tomorrow. Got to wake up different tomorrow now. I got keys. See, I, I hope that, you know, uh, I, I, I love... The services that we had last week. I love when evangelists come in here and, and, and apostolic ministries come in and, and signs and wonders and miracles happen. But let me tell you something. It is possible to be impressed by a miracle and still not believe in one. The Pharisees did it. The Bible even says they were amazed. They marveled. And then Jesus in return marveled at the unbelief. So you, you still didn't get it. You watched, you applauded, you said, whoa. I mean, even in Acts chapter 4, after Peter and John raised the lame man at the gate called Beautiful, the, 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 the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, they joined together and they say, what are we going to do about this? I mean, there's no way we can deny that the hand of God just moved. And if we enforce this, they're going to follow him rather than us. But we, we, we can't deny the miracle We'll just tell them not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. <laughs> Even openly admitting, yeah, that was God. I mean, they told Jesus, we see the signs you do. You just do them by Satan's power, not God's. They didn't have a problem with what Jesus did. They had a problem with who was doing what Jesus did. A man from Nazareth? These untrained, unlearned Uneducated men, fishermen. See, that's the problem that we have. We, we want to see the power of God in demonstration. We just don't like who he uses to put his power in demonstration. That person? Don't you know who they used to be? Don't you know what they used to do? I mean, I mean we, we, it's just, it's, it's, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. Reconciling what God wants to do with who he wants to do it with. Don't be Eliab looking at your younger brother David saying, you can't be the anointed one. Why don't you go back and take care of those sheep? Right? So God's wanting to do some things. God's wanting to do some things. And even after last week, and the signs and wonders and miracles that we saw, you have to understand, those of you that were in those services last weekend, if you saw the power of God in demonstration, you've lost the right to ever allow sickness and disease into your body ever again. You've lost the right ever from this point on to tolerate sickness and disease on the level that you did before you saw a miracle. When I see a miracle in demonstration, I lose the right to ever face a challenge from a level of defeat. Because I've seen God move. I've seen God's glory present. I've seen, but this is what happens is you see water come out of a rock and then you get, you start complaining and grumbling again because you're hungry. Then he brings your manna in the morning. You got breakfast cover. Now you're complaining about dinner. You see what I mean? So last week was the glory, it was the manifest presence of God in the room, in the place. I mean, literal uh, prophetic words, words of knowledge, words of, uh, of wisdom. I mean, literal to pinpoint to the T, watching God move. And some of y'all sat by as, as, as bystanders, uh, uh, bystanders applauding and, oh, man, isn't God good? And you have faced some of the same difficulties that you saw God move on the behalf of last week from, with the same, with the same uh, uh, response that you did before you saw the miracle. That, that can't happen. 
You see God move in the miraculous way that he did last week. And the next time you hear a coworker is sick, I mean, you are running to their cubicle saying, let me pray for you. Come on. It's different now. I said, it's different now. When God moves in an environment and God does what he does, we don't get to just go through the motions anymore. We don't get to just be bystanders, and we don't just get to be impressed by the miracle, yet unchanged by the miracle. And the miracle is not even merely just to change the person that receives the miracle. It should change everybody standing around watching the miracle take place. Okay? So, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Let's read this out of the Passion Translation. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Worship isn't what we just got done doing, singing songs and lifting our hands, reading words off a screen. Worship is, is, is not just what we do to open up a service and to give you time to run late. <laughs> One day I might start with preaching and you'll just walk in. I'm going to be, it's going to be so funny all y'all walking in thinking you're going to be able to quietly slip in the back as we're making all this noise up here and the lights are all dimmed down, right? And you're going to find the lights well lit and as soon as that door opens, everybody's going to turn around and watch you. I'm just playing. I wouldn't be that. Well, maybe I would. Maybe I would. <laughs> <laughs> no, he says, this is your genuine expression of worship. It's how you live. It's how you live. Verse 2 says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. So he says, you got to surrender yourselves to God. Be his sacred living sacrifices. Live sacrificially. Okay, so the church is a legislative assembly. The church is bringing heaven to earth. The church is aligning what's out of alignment here back into alignment with the Father's will, with the Father's plan, with the Father's purpose. Now to do that, you and I have to live sacrificially. You and I have to live beyond what our flesh tells us needs to happen or what we want to happen. See, the thing you gotta understand is now that you're in the kingdom of God, sin and the devil are not your problem anymore. You are. That's what he's identifying here. He's saying sin is not your problem. The devil's not your problem. Demons aren't your problem. Hell's not your problem. Your co-worker's not your problem. Your boss's not your problem. You are. You have to lay down daily, sacrificially, a living sacrifice, that means daily I'm sacrificing something. Daily I'm putting something down. Day, and it's not just sinful things. There are times where you'll have to sacrifice the way the world would do it for the way God wants you to do it. You know, those 12 spies that went into Canaan land, went into the promised land. Ten of them resorted to what their flesh wanted. Man, it's amazing how preferential Christians can be. Now, this message won't work in Nicaragua. This message sure won't work in Ukraine right now. Because right now, you might be complaining in your mind. I mean, you're not doing it out loud, but it might be too cold in here for some of you. It might be too hot in here for some of you. Worship might have gone too long. I might be preaching too hard. I might not even fit, you know, what you thought a pastor should be. Uh, you know, I mean, there's so many things. But right now, you know, in, in, in the Ukraine, they're, they're doing church services and, and, you know, blown out buildings underground, subway corridors. And there ain't no worship. There is no PA system. You know. There's no lights and there's no, there's none of that. They're doing it 
just merely out of we're gathering as the church, as the word has called the church to gather, wherever we are. Okay, so, you know, really this message only works in America. You know, we're around the world, not everywhere, but mostly around the world. They're giving up privileges and comfort and convenience to go to church. And a lot of us, we have to check off all the boxes. You have to church hop and church shop and church date, you know, at least three or four times to know. And, and, and you know, let, let, me just, let me just show you one easy way. When you came in here, this is rhetorical. Please do not answer. When you came in here, how many of you preferred your brother when you sought your seat? When you went to look for a seat? I mean, just in our brain, you know what? It's probably really good for me to sit here so so-and-so can sit there. I'm telling you right now, it's going to have to happen. Because this weekend is not as full as it has been, but we've had some full services lately. Yeah. And so we're going to have to start coming closer and in. So that people can easily sit on the outsides and sit where it's easiest to come in. And, you know, we might be getting to a point in time here very soon where it's first come, first serve. And if you don't make it in here, we're out of chairs, we're out of seats, we're out of room. We'll have an overflow room. And then if we're out of room there, you can stand in the hallway. We've got it piped in the hallway. I mean, we'll pack them in however. I don't care. I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm dead serious. Well, when are you going to do two services, Pastor Mark? So you want me to burn out my people that are committed for those that aren't? Come on now. Come on, there are some things we have allowed and tolerated in churches that has burned the church out rather than strengthened and grown the church. It may just be, we're going to take who we can, and if you don't make it in this week, and try again next week. That sounds weird, Pastor Mario. I mean, church should be open for everyone. Yes, it should, for those that want to be here. For those that want to seek the Lord with us. For those that are seeking His purpose and His plan, not just to come and watch. I mean, golly, they, they wanted to hear Jesus so badly, they got crawled up on top of the roof and cut the roof off. I don't mind if you cut, you, you can put it back. I mean, if that literally happened while I'm preaching, I mean, I'd be asking someone to give up their seat. That, that person wants to be in here. If you've fallen asleep, go ahead and exit. That person can take your seat. <laughs> Come on, we want to be a part of the kingdom of God, man. You want to be a part of what he's doing in the last days. You want to be a part of what is the move of God. It's happening right in front of you. Don't be a casual bystander is what I'm saying. The violent take it by force. The kingdom suffers violence and the violent. We're going to have to have a violent response to some of the things that are coming in the earth. Go look at Jesus' conversations with folks that wanted to come follow him. One guy wanted to go bury his dead father. That's reasonable. That's a legitimate, you know what, you need to go do that. He said, let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. Jeez. Jesus. He wants to come follow you. Could you imagine the other 12 disciples being like, we need this guy. Don't be talking. No, come on. What are you, what are you doing? It's like he's trying to talk people out of following his ministry. Now he says, look, there's going to be a day you're going to have to disregard all to come follow me. So let's be followers. Let's run hard after. Run hard after. Where was I at? Verse 2. The sacrifices. That's what I was talking about. The sacrifices. You want to see the kingdom come? You're going to have to make some flesh sacrifices to see the kingdom. And let me tell you, the trade-off, it's totally worth it. It's completely worth it. The trade-off is so worth it. What, your, your best life you could create for yourself pales in comparison to what God has for you if you follow his plan and his purpose. And it's not even close. It's not even close. Lay it down. 
Verse 2 says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Why do I need to stop imitating what's around me? Because I can't change what is changing me. I can't impact what's impacting me. I can't align the earth with heaven if I'm aligning with the earth. And again, we're not just talking about the planet. We're talking about its ideals, its cultures, its responses. It's it's the way that it thinks about things. And I cannot live aligned with the earth and bring heaven. It's only one or the other. Whatever I align with is what I bring. So if I want to bring heaven, I'm going to have to align with heaven. Stop imitating. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by who? The Holy Spirit. Through a total reformation of how you think. A total reformation. Half lordship isn't lordship. Some of us have made God the Lord of our bodies, but not of our finances. Some of us have made God uh, the Lord of our jobs, but not unforgiveness. Until he is Lord of it all, he's just not Lord. It's progressive. We're growing. But when you make Jesus Lord, you give him all of it. There's nothing that we refrain. There's nothing that we hold back. There's nothing that we keep from him. He's Lord. You have it all. Every bit of it. Total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Now, a lot of times when we read that, God's will, you know, we're thinking about, you know, what is God's will for my life? What does he want me to do? What's the specific assignment he has? Does he want me to take this job? Does he want me to move to that town? Does he want me to go to that school? Does he want me to marry that person? Does he want me to start this business? Does he want me to, to, to you know, whatever? But it's bigger than that. God's will is bringing heaven to earth. You know, I'll be honest. I don't know that he really cares which school you go to. He just wants you to bring heaven wherever you go. Now, yes, does he have a direct line? Does he have a direct path? Sure. But I think when you when we get the general purpose in front of the specific purpose, then the specific purpose will line up. Because what you'll recognize is between these two options, one of these is going to give me the better opportunity to bring heaven to earth, and the other one won't. Okay? Does he want you to live there? Does he want you to live wherever you live? He wants you to align it with heaven. So that's when you'll discover God's will. When I live sacrificially and I quit living more aware of the natural than I am the spiritual. When I become more aware of what God is doing in the heavens than what the devil is doing in the earth. Y'all see what I'm saying? My awareness has to change. My focus has to change. My perspective has to change. The message translation reads it this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Okay? 
So we see that the church is a legislative assembly, the vehicle and avenue by which the kingdom is invading the earth. You and I have to live sacrificially now, yielded to the purposes of heaven and not conforming to what's around us, not being impacted by what's around us, but literally transforming being transformed on the inside out so that we can transform the earth. Colossians chapter 3. This is the church. This is our purpose. This is our assignment. This is our call. Verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. He says intentionally seek those things. Verse 2 says set your mind on things above not on things on the earth. Let's look at it in the Amplified. Let's look at it in the Amplified. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What's that mean? That means I'm making heaven my focus, not the earth. That means I'm making heaven my priority, not the earth. That means I am more focused on aligning my life with what God wants in heaven than what is happening around me in the earth. That's, this is going to take some intentional seeking and going after. He says, aim at and seek. That which is above, where Christ is. Verse 2 says, and set your minds. What did Romans 12, 2 say? You be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Set your mind and keep them set on what is above. The higher things, not on things that are on the earth. I was watching a documentary last night, and uh, it was about this Cult, maybe some of you have, have heard the story, this, this individual that started a cult back in the 70s and finally in the 90s uh, got 39 people to drink poison and commit a mass suicide, including the, the originator. And um, they were talking about you know, how this thing originated because you wonder how does somebody get to a place where they would follow someone's command and direction to literally drink poison and kill themselves in such a way. And of course, everything he says just sounds absolutely absurd and absolutely ridiculous. The whole teaching, the whole basis. But, but at the very beginning, if you go back into the 70s, they, it's what they call the, 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 the slow burn, the, the progression of how these things originate. And it doesn't start out as this, hey, guys, by the way, you're joining a cult. And the way that this is going to run its course is in 20 years, we're all going to commit suicide together in this big mansion. And, uh, and, and that's what we're going to do. So who's on board? That's not how it starts. It's not the way this thing works. But they made an interesting statement. It said that the year that they began, I believe it was 1974, in the middle of Vietnam, in the middle of all the craziness happening in our country in the 70s. This one individual said this, crisis is always the greatest environment for a cult. They said crisis is always the greatest environment for the origins of a cult. They were actually comparing it because this was just made, I think, in 2021. So they are actually comparing it to, you know, what we're seeing in our country now and what evolved in 2020. They said, this is what crisis does, is it sends people on a path to seek after something. You know, we, we, have, we, we have heard statistics that you know, in the last two years, the church, people have, more people have left the church, more people have abandoned. But, but I've, I've also seen it in reverse. More people are getting serious about the things of God. And crisis has a way of doing that. And that's not God saying, okay, I'm going to get your attention. That's just the world and its depravity and its destruction getting to such a level that you're like, okay, I need God. 
And in the church, I've seen people get serious. I've seen people fall by the wayside, sure. But I've seen some people really lock in here in our own community, but even in other communities, I've seen people get serious and say, you know what, this is no time for games anymore. This is no time for are we open, are we not open? Are we on live, live stream, are we not on live stream? Do I feel like going, do I not feel? Like, like people are making the conscious effort to say, this is not a time where I could be playing games. I need God, and even more so, I need the Holy Spirit. I need God in me and God upon me. And so it, it's, it's, it's yielded those kind of responses. But what happens is that, you know, 9-11 proved this as well, that, you know, people ran to the church after 9-11 on a Wednesday night because 9-11 was on a Tuesday the following Wednesday. I mean, I was at Rama and it's a 8,000-seat auditorium. It was packed to the, I mean, you could hardly get in the building. Didn't last very long, but. Crisis drove people to, I got to get serious about this. And so what we've got to be conscious of is that a seeking and a, and, and a running after and an aiming at, it has to be done with intentionality. Because you're not going to casually seek what's above and not what's on the earth. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to have some intentionality behind it. You're going to have to say, I'm going after this thing. And, 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 and sure, on, on the flip side, on the crazy side, on the, the demonic side, you, you've got a group of people that, 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 that have, have now committed this mass suicide, you know, 21, 22 years later, whatever it was. But what if the church got that serious? If somebody can run that serious after the devil, what if we could run that hard after the things of God? Why does the devil get greater commitment from his people than God does from the church? You see what I'm saying? This is the time to be seeking. This is the time to be aiming at. This is the time to be striving for. This is the time to be pursuing the kingdom of heaven with all that we have. And it's time to lay the other things by the wayside. It's time to let go of not just the sins, but also the weights that are keeping us from running our race and keeping our eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and received all glory unto him. This this is the time for the church to be striving at, pursuing, and running after. People are hungry now more than they've ever been in a long time. The opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. It's complacency. Love and hate have the same driving force behind them. But it's when we become indifferent and complacent, lethargic, sluggish, lazy, disengaged. That's where we have, that's where the church has run a damaging course that will not align heaven with earth as we're called to. The days of indifference, either love it or hate it. Either be passionately for the things of God or passionately for the things of the world. But, but a level of indifference, a level of one in, one out, a, a, a level of I'm just going to do as much as I feel like doing, it's not going to cut it. He says to seek after, set your mind, strive for, pursue. The message translation puts it this way. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up. And be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. I will never bring heaven to earth if I live with a perspective of earth to heaven. If I'm just trying to get from here to there. 
I honestly believe religion preoccupies man from the kingdom of God. It distracts us from God's ultimate purpose, his ultimate plan. Okay? So this perspective, this perception, this idea that I've got to see things differently. Last passage, Mark 16. Guys, you can go ahead and come on up, worship team. Mark 16. From there, I understand I go into, I go into all the world. I go into. It's amazing that God, Jesus, would send them right into the very problem. It's it's, it's kind of this picture. I think I've used this example before. First responders. They're running into what everybody else is trying to get out of. Buildings on fire. People are running for their lives. They're trying to get out of the way. They're they're, they're trying to make it out as quick as possible. But then you've got first responders that are running headlong into the very destruction. That's a picture of the church. Should be the picture of the church. What's it tell a lost and dying world if you and I are just trying to get up out of here as fast as we can? With no answers, no hope, the fire just ablazing all around us, but he's given us answers. He's given us solutions. He's given us keys. He's given us keys. You know how frustrating that's got to be? To be locked out of something? Have access restricted to something and then find out the person next to you had the keys the whole time? That's not going to be a good day. I mean, really? I mean, really? Now everyone's going to have an opportunity here and make Jesus Lord of their life. Everyone's going to have that opportunity. But I would sure hate to find out that someone missed their moment to make Jesus Lord of their life because I kept the keys in my pocket. Missed their opportunity to be delivered from something, set free from something, walk in victory over something. And I had the keys the whole time could have helped them unlock that thing I could have helped them lock up that other thing it's time for the church to be the church is what I'm saying alignment alignment he says go into all the world as a result by the way he says preach the gospel to every creature it's not the gospel about Jesus It's the gospel that Jesus preached. There's a difference. There's a difference. Jesus didn't preach about what most of us preach about. He preached about a kingdom. He preached about a king. He says, this is what will happen. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned, implying not everybody will believe. But here's what happens for believers. Signs will follow. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. and They will recover. What's that? All that he just said. It's just merely the earth aligning with heaven. We began ministering a couple weeks ago on the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit on Wednesday nights. And at the end of the day, we said this, that the nine gifts is basically God aligning the earth with heaven. 
And he gave you nine gifts to help correct and rectify that which is out of alignment and bring it back into alignment with heaven once again. Believers. What's the qualifier? Believe. It's simple. It's simple. Believe. And verse 20 tells us that they went out, they preached everywhere. The Lord worked with them and he confirmed the word with signs accompanying, with signs following. This is the assignment. This is the great mission. This is the great purpose of the church. And we're going to dive into this. We're going to break this down. We're going to see, man, that these are not days to just be packing up bags. These are not days to just become casual bystanders. These are not days to close up shop and lock ourselves in our four walls and our churches. That what we see God doing on a small microscopic level here, it needs to be expanded. It needs to go beyond these walls. It needs to be in your heart, not just in a house. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere we go, we get to see heaven invade. We get to see sickness and disease healed. We get to see the blind eyes, both naturally and spiritually, opened up. We get to see people's minds restored and brought back into their right mind. You know that there's depression. You know, there's anxiety ravaging people's lives right now. You know that there's absolute fear. There's literally people living with absolute fear on a daily basis basis. They are. They're afraid of everything. And we have the perfect love that casts out all fear. God, there, there is no way you and I are becoming more immobile as the day draws near. We are being called to action, set apart for this very purpose, to see heaven invade Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.